Welcome to Eden Exchanges. In this special episode on guidance into small business, we speak to James Jacker, who has a breadth of business knowledge, experience and insights that make him an excellent authority on these subjects. Listen on for some practical advice to guide you through the whole process of small business ownership, wherever you are on that scale. We get a lot of inquiries from people when they have yeah. had enough of their job, sick of their boss, want to take the plunge into business, self-employment, franchising, or being an entrepreneur themselves. But often they're jumping in with the blinds on and not really assessing if it's for them, what needs to be done, and setting themselves up correctly. So today we've got James Jacker, who's run a range of franchises, businesses, and ventures in Australia. Uh, just to talk about you know, what re- really takes to succeed in self-employment and entrepreneurship, as well, as well as some of the key factors you need to think about before making that major change in lifestyle choice for yourself. So thanks a lot for joining us today, James. Yeah, thanks for having me in, guys. It's uh, it's great to be here. Yeah, thanks, James. Uh, I'm going to start by asking you, so uh, small businesses are a large part of the Australian landscape. So do you think they're for everyone? And uh, what are people generally looking for? out of small businesses if they're starting up? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So you're spot on, you know, um, specifically in the franchising world, there's more franchises per capita in Australia. Um, small business makes up, you know, 80% of our employment in Australia. So it's quite, um, you know, prevalent in the market. So look, it's small business for everyone that, you know, might be a little bit sick of employment and all those sort of things and has that knee-jerk reaction. Uh, you know, the short answer is no, it's not. It's not all beer and Skittles. It is for the right people. And if you're thinking about the right subjects, absolutely, uh, it's, it's a good fit. But we need to be really, you know, we need to be really clear about that from the start and, and probably ask yourself some of those really uh, basic questions around, you know, am I set up for this? Uh, and all of the, you know, the right key topics for those, you know, those small businesses or a franchise or whatever that opportunity is. And firstly, what would you say to someone who wants to get into business for work-life balance? Is it, that, that can often be a dangerous thought if you, if you haven't thought it out properly. I mean, have you had any experience of people coming in with that or any, any suggestions of how to clearly assess if that's for you? Yeah, and when people think about a business uh, in its, uh, from, a, from an employee point of view, that has never been in business before. It looks like it's all, you know, it is all about lifestyle and holidays and Ferraris and big houses. Well, the reality is it's not. Um, small business is hard work and you only get out what you put in. So earning the right is something that we talk about. Um, most small businesses won't make a dollar in their first five years. Some businesses will certainly do it quicker than that uh, if it's a proven model or something along those lines, but it's not going to happen overnight. So it really is about making sure that you you know, assess each opportunity correctly, uh, and you're well set up for that. Uh, that's that's probably, you know, from my point of view, one of the most important things. As you know, as most um, business analysts will say, you know, don't go with the uh, you know the the blinkers on. You need to have a full understanding of what what it is you're about to enter into. Yeah. So, how important is it for someone to find a business that really fits their needs? Because obviously, people, some people go into it for lifestyle, some for the money. How important would you say that is? And just as, because you've also run a range of different types of businesses, you've run a range of franchises, you know, successful, you were the first, Australia's youngest ever Holden dealer, you've also run um, a range of, you know, worked in very big franchises as well, and, and you've almost made corporate style franchises. So again, what Florence said, how would you try and 
match your skills with that style of business out there. Yeah, and a lot of people reverse engineer this, and it and it goes the wrong way. What what we need to what we need to do as the small business owner is actually sit down and write down almost like a list and say, what am I, what's my skill set, and what am I looking for from this? What most people do is they'll jump online, they'll search for a business and say, could I put up with that? That's the wrong way around this this process. So you know, am I an early riser? Do I is family absolutely first for me? Um, am I only prepared to put in from nine till five each day? Mm-hmm. Um, those sorts of things. That might suggest that, hey, small business is not for you. It, it might work for some businesses, but it might not for others. So just be really clear that you need to start with your goals, financial and lifestyle, and understand, as you're as, you know, as, as, you know, referring back to the question there, Raghu, that it's probably not going to really give you all of those things in that first 18 months or two years, three years, possibly even five years. Yeah, sure. And you mentioned the importance of lifestyle there. You know, people can jump in without realizing how it can affect their family, friends, even their own mental well-being. So how important is it to get that set up to the best possible setup for success? You know, we, we know you can't be perfect in all fields before you start a business because that's unrealistic. But are there any key things you think you should try and tick off before you involve Everyone else in your life is going to be dealing with this for maybe the next five to ten years. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a great question. So we need to get that social landscape in order. So uh, if you have a partner, um, sitting down with your partner right from the start and having an understanding that you know there might be more hours, there might be some financial stress, um, those sorts of things going on. So making sure that that's all okay. Uh, if you've got kids, you know what does that look like? You know are they used to mum or dad being home and being available? You know from five o'clock. Uh, every evening, you know, is that actually achievable in the business? So making sure that we're actually thinking about the repercussions outside of ourself, because it's not just ourselves that goes into the business, it's the whole family, it's a possibly, you know, extended family in that sense. Sure. And any steps you did yourself to try and um, you know, make the transition easier for the people around you, and any any tips you've got about how to, how to structure businesses in, in the right way to help facilitate it yeah and I suppose it's probably best to talk about examples that we had but um, making sure that you either step out of the home if it's a home-based business um, or not but making sure that you're not bringing business home all the time just because you're excited about business it doesn't mean your whole family has to be talking about the pros and cons of business at uh, 10:30 at night every night so you know having that little bit of switch on and switch off is really really important uh, for me, as an example, in one of the businesses that I ran, um, I used to have this shirts on, shirts off policy. Um, I could talk to my wife about uh, the business, the, the high fives, uh, the hardships, you know, the challenges, those sorts of things. Uh, and then I'd walk down you know, to the other end of the house, have a shower, take the, uh, the uniform off, and then come back again and say, honey, I'm home, even if I'd actually been home all day if, in, that, in that sense. Um, so then later on at night when we're watching The Bachelor or whatever it is that's on TV these <laughs> yeah. days, um, and I start talking about business, my wife would say, look, I'm happy to talk to you about it. Go and pop the shirt on. Actually, it can wait till tomorrow. Yeah. Thanks that's... for listening earlier, you know, you know, about what was going on. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting how you've managed to compartmentalise those different parts of it. That's not always possible for everyone. Um, so that also requires a very structured person to do something like that. Well, you often get some entrepreneurs who thrive on a chaotic environment, trying to convert you know chaos into something structured. Mm-hmm. So that, that that's what I wanted to touch on again about 
when it's best to for an entrepreneur to just go it alone, do something you know, from scratch, or jump on a franchise system. Yeah. So, and there's many systems in the marketplace. Yeah. Probably, and, I, and I'll speak from the you know the big corporate franchise that I've been part of. We've seen some pure entrepreneurs come into our business. Now, these guys are always wanting to improve, change. Um, they want things to happen quickly. Sometimes a franchise system takes, you know, time to make decisions because they're taking all the stakeholders, you know, into consideration. Um, sometimes they're inflexible on the rules, if you want to call it that, um, and it doesn't suit the pure entrepreneur. So sometimes the the real pure entrepreneur doesn't quite fit into a franchise system. But on the same hand, someone that does fit into a franchise system needs some get up and go. They need that, that gumption to get out of bed and drive their own business. So it's almost like you want a three-quarter entrepreneur to fit into a franchise system, for example, whereas that pure can't sit still, talking about it all day long, sometimes those guys are better off doing it for themselves uh, and sometimes they have the skill set to do it for themselves as well. So, yeah. And in both of those situations, doing it for yourself, you know, either by yourself or in a franchise, requires you also like set up company structures and, and particular styles of businesses. And have you, from your experience, are any, any particular ones that suit certain styles of people or businesses better than the other? Yeah, absolutely. So setting up a structure in a company, um, and I think that's probably where we're heading yeah. with this, uh, is something that you want to do with the end goal mm. in mind. So um, I'm not talking about cheating any tax systems here. All I'm saying is different company structures allow you to distribute money in different ways, and some company structures, unit trusts or uh, company trust, whatever it be, actually give you some incentivization around putting money into super, uh, capital gains discounts in Australia, and those sorts of things. So, to wrap that up, sometimes you're better off spending two and a half thousand dollars to set your company up correct from the start instead of taking the thousand dollar option uh, and being a sole trader. Now, that's not always the case, you need to get some business advice around this, but set yourself up at the start for the best tax position for you along the journey and at the end game as well. So again, that might, might cost you a little bit more and a little bit more time, but if that's gonna save you $50,000 uh, when you sell that capital asset that you've built, um, plus some nice little in incentives along the journey, plus some little lurks in that super game, which they tend to change in Australia regularly, um, they're certainly worth considering at the start. Yeah. Could you talk a bit more about financing, say someone uh, looking to start a small business, financing options for them, where they should start, any other advice? Yeah, so most people will get some sort of finance to start a business. So it's a really good question. It's probably one of those boxes that people need to think about. Um, just because you have some money in the bank, if you're lucky enough to, it doesn't always mean you should be using that. So with finance, you need to understand what the opportunity is going to cost initially and ongoing. You must always have uh, a Mojo account. You know, have some extra money put aside for rainy day. Because if you think about running a business and you're down to your last $1,000, you're going to make poor decisions. You're going to take a job that you probably wouldn't have taken if you were flush with money and the bank account was looking nice and healthy. So thinking about you know those sort of things is, is really important. If you are talking to financial institutions, you're going to need a business plan and cash flow. And you probably want to start talking to financial institutions before you jump in. It's amazing how many people quit their job, then start looking. That's a really dangerous position to be in because then you're forced to take whatever you can get your hands on. And from the financial institution's point of view, they probably are less likely to take a risk on someone that's unemployed and doesn't have a great idea about the next step in their journey. 
Um, just like if you were lending someone money, you know, what does it look like? Where are you heading? Um, if someone's unemployed and not sure, you're less likely to do that. And the financial institutions just want to make sure they get their money back. So start that chat really early. And, you know, they can certainly help you out there. There's plenty out there, um, you know, and that sort of certainly helps in that journey. Yeah. And, and it does point towards, you know, why do you want to be independent? You know, get a good accountant, get a good lawyer, probably get a good banker. Anyone else you can think of there you need to get, get onto? Yeah, yeah. Getting, getting advice from a, a good lawyer, um, absolutely having a relationship with a financial institution of some sort is, mm. is absolutely key for uh, initial and ongoing. Um, absolutely, you know, they're, they're big parts of that. Um, having... Having a really good idea around your accountant and or bookkeeper, and there's a place for both of those, um, is certainly something that I'd consider. As an example, some people will come into a business, they are time rich, but cash poor. So they tend to go and try to do these things that they're unskilled in doing, like accounting and bookkeeping, um, and spending time on it, messing it up. What you're better off doing is being commercial. Employ the best person to do that role, and you go out and sell the buttons or you know, run the franchise or sell the burger or move the, the coffee on whatever it is that you're doing. Instead of doing those things you're not skilled in doing and probably taking four times as much time and really at the end of the day, um, you know, not spending your focused time on the things that are going to make you the money long term. Yeah. Any other sort of steps of the business plan that you'd want to talk through, like cash flow and... Uh, paying yourself a wage, these kinds of things. Yeah, so when you say cash flow and business plan, most of our listeners, 95% of them probably haven't put a business plan and cash flow together and they just switched off a little bit. Don't worry, it's actually not that hard. Jump onto any, you know, jump on the web, um, do a search. There's a lot of templates already sitting out there yeah. uh, for businesses. Most of the financial institutions will have templates for both of these on board because they actually want to see them. So that's your starting point. It's almost like fill in the gaps here. You know, think about this and give me an answer. Uh, and there's some good ones out there. Have a look around. Um, in that business plan, you want to be thinking about what it looks like this week, next month, six months from now, 12 months from now, and five years from now, and your exit plan. So you want to cover all of those. I tend to find that people are either one or the other. They can see what it looks like in five years or 10 years, but they have no idea what that means to them today and this week. Others are your typical um, today type people, and I and I sort of I don't want to I don't want to put off any tradies out there, but your typical tradie, they they're getting paid whatever it is per hour, and they're doing whatever they need to today to get the result today. But the conversion to what that looks like long term isn't isn't always there. There are some fantastic people that can see both, but make sure that your business plan and cash flow are reflective of both ends of today. And, you know, also that long-term goal uh, for the business, whatever it be. Yeah, sure. And that can often require um, you know, not living in delusion in terms of really assessing where you're getting your money from and what's a waste of time. Yeah. And have you got any tips on, you know, often when you're starting a company, there's always this grey area and figuring it out as you go. But there'll be this point when you realise this is where we focus on this is where we don't bother, and this is a potential growth area for us. Yep. And we've heard you talk about that with you know, some of your companies, even like a testing and tagging company as well, where you probably have some experience in being able to choose where your real skill sets lie and focusing on that market. Yep. So if you have, you know, any tips on how to narrow that down or even get to the point where you know, yep, this is what we do, this is where we're the best at, yeah. and this is how we make our money. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a really um, good question, Raghu, and most business people will go in and start playing in lots of different fields. Um, to wrap it up, 
be the professional in your industry. Do something really well. Don't be the jack of all trades and do many things poorly. Um, you know, and working with your, you know, yourselves in the past at Eden, you guys are professionals in the industry that you live in, and you are absolutely the go-to people in that sense. You do it really well, and you don't step outside of that. You don't have a coffee shop down the road as well, and you don't have um, a franchise system that you run out of the back of the shop either. You just focus on the things that you do well. Now it's simple. I get people want to make some money, and they're looking for any avenue that they can to bring money in the door. But as I say, let's be the professional in an industry. You know, um, you know the test and tag example you're talking about. You know, that was a program maintenance franchise. Um, we focused on the things that we could do really well. We could take to market. We could replicate across 200 franchisees uh, across Australia and New Zealand. Um, insure them for and make sure that deliverance was exactly the same across both countries. And we didn't step outside of that. There were other opportunities we could have come across. We could have done many other things that we would have done poorly. We could have made some money from it, but we would have been risking all of the, the core business. So we focused on the core business. We did those things really well. We were known as the professionals in the industry for those things, and we we're always the go-to people. So focus on those key things around the business. And some other people, uh, well, some, some people starting small businesses might wonder how to generate work. Is there anything you can recommend for that? Yeah, it's a really important part. And some guys actually don't think about generating work. They think that if you've got a, a coffee stand that people walk up and give you $4.50 a coffee if you live in Melbourne or six fifty if you live Might in happen. Sydney. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it be. Yeah. But think about all of those things. So how am I going to get to market? How am I going to get my story? Um, yes, having a physical presence is part of that journey, but doing some local area marketing is absolutely part of that. Do you need to um, get out and knock on doors? Do you need to start doing some, um, you know, some um, networking groups? Do you need to put some strategic um, advertising online? The online world now is um, has changed dramatically. It used to be that we had this very broad media. You know, we'd buy some TV, and we would get to a mass market, and it would cost a fortune. Whereas today, we can zero in on people's interests. Um, you know, people's passions and those sorts of things in a cost-effective manner. So having an online presence for your specific market and knowing who your target market is um, is a lot easier today for small business. So small business have a go, can have as much go as big business in the advertising world as well. But again, we need to make sure we've allowed money for that. We're not doing it as a knee-jerk reaction and we do it for a period that we can actually test. So if you're going to use Facebook to, to get to an end user for a emotional product, it's not a bad platform um, based on the interest. Do it for a fair period and more importantly, try to measure any sort of activity that you do um, in some sense so that you can, you can put the money where it gives you the return and take it away from the places that don't. So when buying a business, what are the things to look out for? Yeah, so it's it's actually a little bit more than just how much money does it cost me and how much does it make me. Mm. Um, for me, I've seen um, some shoddy businesses out there and I've seen some fantastic businesses. The difference between the two is probably the question. Um, I've always had this theory, if I can't see it and touch it, it's not real. If it's, 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 a, it's a concept until I can actually get in the car and do a ride along or stand in the shop and watch someone hand a coffee over or stalk you know, a business that's in a shopping centre or sit in there and not tell them that I'm there, count the people that are walking through the door and I want to see it. Yep. Um, don't just believe everything that 
someone's trying to tell you that's obviously going to financially gain from that. So make sure you can see it, touch it, and feel it. Um, put me in contact with people who have achieved what you're telling me. You know, if you're saying that a business has been sold for a quarter of a million dollars, put me in contact with the person who did that. Let me ask them the challenges about that, the things that they were supported with. Um, so I want to see it. I want to be there. You know, I want to. I want to talk to the people. I don't want to hear it secondhand from someone who's sugarcoating it in any sense. Make sure it's real. Have a look at the numbers. Your, your accountant's going to talk about, let's let's look at the nitty gritty. You know, let's look at the numbers. Um, I tend not to buy so much on potential. You know, potential's good, but geez, I'm not giving it much multiple on the bottom line for potential. Um, and every business has potential. Um, and just one last piece of advice there. Um, I would spend, as a rough estimate, if for every $1,000 that you're thinking about spending on a business, spend at least one hour doing homework or due diligence on understanding the business. And it's okay to get through that process and say, this is not for me, even though I've spent 60 hours doing this. You don't go into a business because you spent so many hours looking at it and you think, geez, I might as well just go and do it now. Uh, the reality is, do the due diligence to make sure it fits you you can be there short-term, medium, and long-term, and it's going to tick your boxes as well. And it's okay to say, this opportunity is not for me, and that's a good thing. That, that's really useful because you hear a lot of these quotes, you know, four out of businesses fail and whatnot. A lot of it, there's that due diligence about the financials, but a lot of it is also because the founder or the owner just gets sick of it, and they, uh, they don't want to follow through with it. So it's a lot of it's about picking an industry and business that you actually are interested in and are willing to put put in the hard yards for it as well. But you also touched on about that due diligence. At that point, have you engaged advisors or, or people to look separately at businesses for you, or is it something you've done yourself? Yeah, I think it's probably a combination of all. Yeah. Um, I want to make sure that I'm comfortable with the process before I take it to anyone that I'm going to get some good advice from, yeah. and I want to get some good advice, and I'm always prepared to pay for good advice, and I think that's a good thing. So lawyers or... People in, you know, if you're looking at franchising, go and talk to the Franchise Council of Australia. They'll give you a, a list of 200 questions to ask every franchise. Um, you know, if you're looking at, you know, whatever it be, make sure you get some good advice. Um, but you need to not go to these people and say, what should I be asking? You should be invested already. You know, walk in. I'm looking at a coffee shop. I can see that 300 people walk through the door. The average spend looks like it's about $10. They're telling me it's about that, and I've actually seen it. What are the other bits and pieces that I need to be now looking at? You know, make sure you're doing some of that due diligence. You know, there's 700 of these coffee shops around Australia. Does that make it right or not? You know, how good are those guys going? What are the best performers doing? Are you one of those best performers or are you going to be one of those lazy people that probably is not going to put the time in that's required? Again, there's that bit of honesty in that process. And it's okay to say, this is not for me, or yes, I need to know more. Yeah, sure. And, and what happened on the other side when you're trying to sell one? I mean, is that, it's, it's a... You're on the other end of the spectrum, but you've got to understand how the buyer is thinking as well at that point. And if you're dealing with a good buyer, they're probably going to be doing everything just James just mentioned there. So any tips again if you're trying to sell the business? Yeah, I, I think I think when you're trying to sell a business, you just need to be genuinely honest about what it is that you have to offer. Have everything prepared. You know, if you're selling a customer base, if you're selling a business that has X amount of turnover, be prepared to put your numbers on the table, you know. This amount of clients, they generate me this much income. I need, you know, that, you know, I have to have X amount of overheads and those sorts of things. And be really prepared when you're selling a business. It's okay for for you to put all that on the table and someone to say, no, it's not for me. That's a lot better than selling your business and then six months later you drive past and 
it's you know it's sold or gone broke or something like that. It's not a good feeling for anyone, and obviously someone's wasted their time. So be really, really clear and honest about the opportunity. Um, most people selling things will try to work out what the buyer wants and tell them that. I think just start with again, just start with the honesty about what your business is, where it is, how it sits, um, and present that in its best format. Yeah. Um, what sort of goals should people have financially and the short, medium and long-term goals? Yeah, so typically when I'm looking at um, a business owner looking to come into any business and or myself, I'm always looking at the financial goals and that's a really simple one. What are we, What's the business going to make? What does it cost? Um, obviously, again, short, medium term and long term, you need to cover off for all of these. I'd also look at the personal goal. Why did you go into business and what's the net result for you? You know, are you looking to purchase a boat? Are you looking to go on a holiday? Are you looking just to have some financial freedom? You know, what is that really clear for you? So when I do achieve, what is the personal outcome for me? Again, short, medium and long term. I don't think it's okay just to have a long term goal there. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not suggesting you take a, a week long holiday after a month of business. What I'm saying is I think that you should reward yourself in the short, medium and long term on a personal level, which might just mean that all of a sudden, you know, you were employed before, you had no flexibility during the week. So if you achieve what you need to for the week, maybe you take Friday afternoon off and go and play golf or have a drink with you know, the boys or the girls or go and spend some time with the family. You know, So some of those things are not going to cost you a fortune, but if you're genuine about what you're trying to achieve, you reward yourself along the journey. And then it's the longer term financial piece there. Um, also look at some developmental goals. What's your current skill set and what does the business demand of you? Don't be afraid to invest in yourself. Every business is investing in their employees on a regular basis. You're employing yourself. You should be investing in yourself as well. Can I better market if that's what I'm going to, you know, if that's what's needed in my business? Do I go and, you know, do a barista, um, you know, course down the road because it's going to make a better coffee for my, um, you know, my consumers? You know, so don't be afraid to invest in yourself and your skill set. Um, there's certainly things that I would look at in a business plan. One of the other things is, you know, we speak about a cash um, a cash flow and cash coming into the business. I think it's a really important factor to keep business and, and, and your personal life separate. So I have separate accounts, have separate um, cards that you use. I wouldn't use a credit card, but I'm you know, a debit card and keep those separate between you know, both sides of your, your business and your personal life. One of the other things that I always in, incentivize new business owners to do is actually pay yourself a wage that's achievable and leave the rest in the bank. The reason I say that is some new business owners will see $5,000 sitting in the bank account and they go out and they spend three on a holiday. All of a sudden, it's the end of the quarter and they've got to pay some GST. Um, you know, All of a sudden, they've got some costs coming around and they're behind the eight ball. So pay yourself a wage, give yourself that dedication and that, you know, that responsibility around only taking what the business can afford. And at the end of the year, if you had a really good year, you can have a bit of a party on what's left or pay something off or take that holiday or whatever it is. But don't use it as you go along. Uh, it's a really... Uh, simple trap for um, uneducated business people to jump into. I've got five thousand. I can spend five thousand. It's just not that simple. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And in, and in terms of um, yeah. And we, and when you mention tips about setting up the business, what can often unravel, make or break a business is choosing who you partner with, your co-founders. It could be a startup. It could be a franchise. Yeah. Any any you know, practical tips on how to get the best out of who you, who you begin that journey with because it can be a, it can be a, a lifetime journey and you want to have that relationship secure and, and profitable. Yeah, absolutely. So 
let me talk from a personal point of view. I, I have a limited skill set. Um, I'd like to think I've been somewhat successful in business, but I actually have a limited skill set. I'm not the smartest tool that's ever, um, you know, walked the earth. Um, and I know that. I'm really honest about that. So my business partner has skills that I don't have. Now, most business partnerships, you know, have a look online about stats that yeah. business partnerships are broken down. You're spot on the money, Raghu. Um, have a really good understanding about what each partner needs out of this, what they're going to take, how it looks like at the start, the middle, and the end. So as an example, we spent $10,000 on a partnership agreement between my business partner and myself. It covers off what we all got paid, what our partners got paid, what cars we drive. If we don't agree upon something, we even have a, a little clause in there, a Russian roulette clause, to say that if we can't stand each other anymore, I make my business partner an offer. He either accepts that or he gives me $1 more. It keeps it commercial and all those sort of things. Uh, God forbid, after... 15 years, he still uh, still puts up with me. Um, and I think it's like any other relationship, even at a personal level. A business partnership needs to be a bit of give and take. So having a set of rules is a great start and it should be spoken about. But also giving that little bit of give and take every now and then as things change in your life and personal family situations change is a good thing. Um, I take more holidays than my business partner does. Um, so basically, it's all one-sided. <laughs> yeah. at, at the end of the day, it's... Um, it is about that bit of give and take, and we need to do those things. Otherwise, it doesn't work because it's going to be different for everyone. So, yeah, look, I think it's one of those things that you should think seriously about. Uh, if you are going to go into partnership with anyone, so be it. Um, and if you want to have another look at a, a bad situation of partnerships, maybe go and have a look at the, um, the McDonald's story. You know, there's a couple of blokes that build a fantastic franchise that's known around the world. Um, it's and, not a bad movie either. Yeah, yeah, seen that yeah the founder. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. It's a great movie, oh. actually. It's a ripper. You need to go and have a look at it. Yeah. But that's a great example of yeah. business partnerships um, not working and having people having different um, incentives and not being on the same page. So make sure that you are. Make sure that you have it, have a common goal. Make sure that it is absolutely spoken about and in writing. Yeah, and go from there. Yeah, because if going back to that movie, if you see what happened, a lot of that, well, those original founders, if they had had a much tighter agreement, you know, tighter communication. Who knows, they could be billionaires. But it was just that fact that they were very lax with how they communicated to the other founder. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to give that movie away, but but it, it's, it just reiterates how important that, that it could be hard to get it in writing, but you just have to do it. Yeah, mm. absolutely. A handshake agreement or a verbal is um, is not fantastic. Yeah. Um, following up with an email and having a formal agreement is, is, a, is a better way of doing business. Uh, and understanding that if, you know, if you're heading in different directions at some point, and it's dead obvious that that's the case, um, having some sort of amicable way to split um, that you've spoken about previously is a better way to do it. Um, you know, and that's that's always the case. Yeah, almost like a like a prenup for a marriage, if you want to call it yeah. that, yeah. Um, without without getting too uh, yeah without getting too far into it. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like an arranged marriage in yeah. certain, <laughs> certain ways, isn't it? In, in, um, in, in the terms around it, but. Um, I was going to say, if it's a prenup, my, my business partner, uh, I'm the better looking one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a trophy Beauty. one. That's it, that's it, that's it. Beauty Put that in. in. Yeah. Um, okay, thanks, James. So um, any any other advice, anything else you wanted to talk about? Yeah, so just for those that are sitting there at the moment and they may not have been in business for themselves, take your time. Absolutely take your time. If someone's saying it's a now-only deal, I would be running the other way. So take your time. Make sure it suits you. Make sure you're really clear about what you want from this. Make sure you do do that due diligence along the journey. Do your homework. Um, make sure that you've got all of the partners financially, um, socially, 
in place before you jump into uh, into business for yourself so that you're giving yourself every opportunity. Uh, I think Raghu said it at the very start of this podcast, the reality is you're never going to get everything spot on. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to get most of it together. So take your time, make sure that it fits for you. Um, and you know you can get some fantastic um, lifestyle when you earn that from small business and even some financial returns. So there is some good reward for doing that homework and um, really doing that due diligence along the process and taking your time. So yeah, good luck to all the small business owners out there if you choose to go into small business. Um, and uh, yeah, it can be rewarding. Good on you guys. Thanks a lot, James. Eden Exchanges was brought to you by the team at Eden Exchange. In this episode, we spoke to Australian small business expert, James Jacker. For business, franchising and investment insights, head to businessbuyinvest.com or for up-to-date opportunities, head to edenexchange.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram or subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you for listening.